Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 10 of Sword and Spirit, a podcast by First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Today, we're going to be rounding out our mini-series with this episode titled, The Intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today, we are talking about, once again, the Holy Spirit. What's up, DP? What up? What's up, RJ? He's throwing up deuces. Okay, so Holy Spirit. You know, there's a reason we have denominations. Did you guys know that? There's a reason we have. And the Holy Spirit sometimes has to do with maybe a few of them starting uh, or not listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, so uh, one big difference, just for fun, uh, before we get into it, uh, you know, here's some. Have you heard of Calvary Chapel? You guys know me. I love Calvary Chapel churches. Uh, and then we obviously love Southern Baptist churches. We are Southern Baptists, unashamedly so. We love Southern Baptists. We believe, really, in case you didn't know, most all Southern Baptist churches are autonomous, and we re- interact with one another. We work together for the sake of missions. Uh, really, go back to our history, it started with international missions, getting the gospel to the nations. So that's kind of what brought us together. Um but a big difference um, in some denominations is I, I just want to say it, uh, there are cessationists, which means that uh, spiritual gifts such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing cease with the apostolic age. Um, and then there are continuationists, which are people that believe that spiritual gifts have continued in the present age and they are still happening today. And uh I think some of that is semantics. I think there's some right and wrong on both sides of that, so I don't want to get into that. This is not an argument about that necessarily, but it is important for us to, I guess, acknowledge it because if we just have the belief that, man, God stopped showing out supernaturally uh, when the new, you know, when the uh, New Testament, I guess, when the canon ended, then we're going to miss out because there's nowhere in the Bible that that's clear cut says now obviously there's there's not that special power anointing that the apostles had uh, you know and today if somebody claims to be an apostle you probably should just uh, run away from you know back away slowly uh, because uh, that's not true there are only 12 of those and, and then minus one and then one again but and so the Holy Spirit at the end of the day, he wants to turn up the heat. He wants to inflame our hearts with passion for the lost, and he wants to give us indwelling power to help us accomplish the mission. And so uh, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. What you got, Dustin, thinking about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so today we're talking about the Holy Spirit on a more intimate level. Uh, we're calling this podcast The Intimacy of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got lots of ways that we can interact with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can begin to move in our lives. One of those things is, well, first you got to just start off by listening. Mm. You can't just say, slow down, Holy Spirit, speak to me, and then <laughs> go and read the tabloids and try to figure out what they have in store right. for your life. you got to listen for what the Holy Spirit has to say. Well, that happens when you pray. Romans 8.26 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. It happens in your conscience and your convictions. You find that in Romans 9, 1 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. You just see that the Holy Spirit works in your conscience to convict you and guide you in some ways. God's Word, of course, is theonoustos is the term that Paul kind of creates there to explain that it's God-breathed. And Second Peter 1, 21, that says the apostles or the prophets, when they wrote, 
we're carried along by the Spirit, not by anything else. So when you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're praying, you're, con- you're listening to your conscience. The whole, the Word is guiding you. And then sometimes, we talked about last time how Paul on his way through Macedonia was trying to go to all these different cities and the Holy Spirit just kept closing door after door after door. Sometimes God speaks to us by closing doors. We talked about the Jerusalem Council and, of course, all throughout Proverbs, wise counsel. If you have other people who are filled with the Holy Spirit around you, wise counsel is beneficial. It helps us listen to what the Spirit has in store for us. And sometimes we look at things in hindsight and we look back and we say, well, did that actually produce any fruit in my life? You look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, and talks about provides an evidence of fruit in our lives. And so when you look back at what your life was like in the past, your past experiences, sometimes you can see how the Holy Spirit moved or how the Holy Spirit didn't move. So all those are different ways that we can listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you give all those ways that we can listen, but we got to really back up from that. Okay, when's that time going to be in your life, right? So during the day. Because there's so much stuff you got to do. You got to go to school. You got to take kids to school. You got to go to the doctor. You got to do your go to the grocery. You got to work a job. You got to pay your bills. You got to sleep. You got to eat. Yeah, I mean, life is busy, right? That's right. And so we have to take time, carve it out, fight for it, scrap, claw to listen, to stop listening to all the other noise, to rise above the noise. We, that's what we have to do. And uh, I love I, it's like our favorite part of the day, but it's just so hard to get there. Uh, last night I went on a late night bike ride and I'm, I'm driving on beach or riding on beach Boulevard. And I see like there's 30 different shrimp boats up close to the water. You hear their diesel engines just roaring. But it's, it was awesome because it's just me and the Lord, right? You look up, you see the stars and it's just you and God. So we have got to, so here's the question. Where do you and God hang out? Where is that place where you, uh, he has all of your attention. Where is that? Is that on your back porch? Is that in your chair in your living room? Is that in your car commuting to work? Is that, hopefully it's not in your classroom at school, but hey, sometimes you got to have those moments. So let's make that time. If we're going to do these things that Dustin's talking about, we have to listen. And I'm, I'm, you know, really telling myself that first and foremost, that I've got to make that time. We all have to, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And if you look over these, you see this is actually a great paradigm for decision-making. You know, how do you decide what to do in your next step in life? Well, you pray. You listen to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to your conscience. You check out God's Word. You see if God's closing doors or opening doors. You check out wise counsel from other believers. And then you look at the fruit of what the Holy Spirit's been doing in your life. Does this seem like something that God has been preparing you for? So all these things are actually... Not just the Holy Spirit, but yeah. very practical That's ways the, for us to make decisions in our lives. That is the God's will test that we give all the time in our church office. People come to us, hey, I need to make this huge decision. And so we go through all those things, right? Like, does it line up with God's Word? Does it violate God's Word? Uh, what is the godly counsel? People that do not have a dog in the race, people who don't have an agenda, people that can give you unbiased an opinion on it, what do they have to say? And do you have an inner peace? So everything you just said is definitely the classic God's perfect will test. Uh, love it. Yep, That's awesome. Absolutely. But we also need to understand when going through all that or 
listening to the Holy Spirit speaking in our lives, we've got to test the spirits. Mm. We've got to make Boy, that sure. That needs to happen more in America. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the deal. We talked about this in our first pair, uh, first podcast, that there are other spirits that are mentioned yes, in the Bible that are not the Holy Spirit and, are, in fact, are not holy in any way, shape, or fashion. And sometimes they begin to get in your ear and speak to you in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes you hear it on the news. Sometimes it's just spiritual warfare happening all around us. And we have to be able to say, is this the Holy Spirit speaking to me or is this something else entirely? And so you got to test it. you got to say, okay, well, we know from Romans 1-4 that the Holy Spirit declares Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 4-2 says that it confesses that Jesus has come. So if this Spirit is pointing towards glorifying Christ and declaring that He's the Son of God and that He's come into the world, then that's a pretty good start. If you look further down in that passage in 1 John 4, John says that you should listen to us. And I like to kind of emphasize that word, us. Who is John talking about? He's talking about the apostles. So you got to check, well, does this line up with the Word of God, what the apostles wrote in the New Testament? Does it line up in that way? And so when you test the spirits, you got to say, well, what does God say in the Bible, and does this contradict that? Or does this bring glory to Jesus, or does it bring glory to someone else? And then, of course, you have to contrast this with your own spirit. Psalms 41, sorry, Psalm 143, 10 tells us that man's spirit may fail, but the spirit still leads. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, the spirit transcends man's own wisdom. So make sure that even when you feel like, I can't keep doing this, the Holy Spirit can sustain you. But also, when you think that something's a good idea in your own mind, we got to make sure that it's the Spirit mm. that is leading us, not our own wisdom. And insert godly counsel, right? Exactly. Insert somebody, hey, can you look this over? Hey, I've had this. Can you check me on this? Have I lost my mind? Does this? Will you affirm this as a brother or sister in Christ? Uh, you know, the demonic spirits, I know we don't want to get into that too much. Uh, we'll have to have another episode on warfare, weapons and warfare. Um, but if you're testing the spirits, you need to remember that the bad spirits are not always going to come in a Ouija board or a cult or uh, a rated R horror movie. Yeah. Although there's a lot of ways they come. But sometimes, you know, the enemies is, is brilliant. And he knows how to operate in a smooth way that is very subtle. And so an example last night, okay, this is probably going to be controversial, but hey, let's have some fun. <laughs> uh, we are watching an episode of Animal Kingdom, a new Disney, uh, it's like a, basically a documentary about the animals inside of Animal Kingdom Disney Park over in Orlando. And so it's basically about a zoo. And you hear the workers talking as they're interviewing them. And I remember hearing the, uh, they were interviewing one of the veterinarians, and he said that elephants are exactly like people. And I hear this, and I thought to myself, I paused the television, and I, I looked at my kids, and I said, he just said that elephants are exactly like people. And my kids look at me like, Dad, why'd you pause it? And I, I said, that's not true. That is not true. That's elephants are 
I mean, in some ways, they're like people, right? Like, they have blood in their body. <laughs> they right. breathe air. They're they mammals. eat food. They're mammals. Uh, they, you know, I guess love to give hugs. I don't know. So, but there's <laughs> definitely some similar things as God's fellow created creatures. But uh, Romans chapter 1 Verse 25 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship to serve the create creature rather than the Creator. And as I continue to listen, so then it goes to another segment, and now they're doing an operation on a chicken, okay? And they're spending all this time on this chicken. And I'm not just picking on this, this episode, but I kind of am, I guess. They have this chicken, and they spend 20 minutes talking about this chicken, okay? And I, who doesn't love chicken, right? both living and dead. Uh, but this chicken had some feathers missing, and they spent, and they probably spent a hundred grand on this chicken, trying to, to get it. it. It couldn't lay eggs anymore, and so the, there's people crying over in the corner. Uh, they're just hugging and crying when the chicken's in surgery. And, you know, it, it's not to say you don't need to care about the chicken. and We, we, we always want to care about something. If it's God created it, we want to care about it, right? We want to have a certain amount of compassion. You know, we, we teach our children not to shoot animals just because, right? If you shoot it, you eat it. And you don't shoot it unless it's in season, right? Uh, but I didn't mean to go on a chase a chicken route here, but I am. <laughs> but this chicken, when the chicken came out of surgery, everybody's clapping. Everybody's, you know, it's just this big, big emotional ordeal. And I paused the television again. I said, kids, you know what they could have done? They would have saved a lot of money. They could have just fried that chicken. <laughs> they could have just eaten that chicken. And my kids are like, Daddy. And, and I said, no, think about it. That chicken is precious. It's created by God. But why did God give us chickens? They bring glory to him. But God, obviously, I think anything that tastes good is going to be made with egg, right? Or milk. <laughs> so we have some natural things that God gives us. And I think if we're not careful, our society is going in such a way that is, it's just doing the same old stuff the Bible told us that people do apart from Christ. And that is to worship the things of this world in place of, we should be worshiping our, our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. But uh, that's just a random example of, uh, these spirits are working, okay? But they're working on the DL. And Christians, man, do not have any discernment. And we cannot just... Watch everything that people in the world watch. We cannot let things go in our ears that goes in everybody else's ears. We have to have a filter. If And when you're talking about testing the spirits, there's a certain level of discernment. And if we're every day doing these things, making time to meet with the Lord, making time to be in the Word, then our radar, right, like the red flag radar, it's going to go off a lot more often if we're in tune with the Spirit. But if we're not in tune with the Lord, if we're not... Listening, it's going to be hard to test the spirits. You can hear Dustin talk all day long about test the spirits, and he can give you biblical examples of why you need to do that. But if you're not meeting with the Lord, if you're not in tune with God, it's going to be a lot harder for you to sense those red flags. So thanks for listening to my chicken story. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, you you learn to test the spirit, like Brett's saying, by not ignoring the spirit in your life, by not quenching the spirit. And so we see all kinds of examples in the Bible where people are just quenching the Spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. Isaiah talks about how Israel didn't make an alliance with the Spirit of God. Zechariah talks about how the Spirit spoke through the prophets, but he was ignored. 
In Acts chapter 7, there are lost people who just resist the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, we see that we are not supposed to quench the Spirit. And the example that's given right after that is to not despise prophecy. And so Mm. one way that we walk in the Lord and we don't quench the Spirit is don't just assume God can't do great things through His Spirit and that we should just ignore the Spirit. No, we have to listen to the Spirit. The Spirit is our personal connection with the Godhead, and we don't want to just ignore that. We want to listen. Yes, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 22 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. This is exactly what you're saying. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, two options regarding quenching the Spirit. I taught on this recently. Number one, you can fan it into full flame. So when that fire comes, not strange fire, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit fire, right? Uh, the Lord, when He comes to us as a fire, which He's already in us, but I'm talking when God begins to move in the context of a local church, we can respond in two ways. So number one, we can fan it into full flame, right? We can fan it into full flame, and He will give us help to accomplish His will. He will give us leadership, guidance, wisdom, all of the above. Or we can douse it. We can extinguish it. And we extinguish it with our human fear, control, our needing to be in control, or what I make, I made up this, this term, I guess, uh, the other day is independent theology. Uh, what am I talking about? Uh, the thinking about God that leaves out God, right? Thinking that we don't need God. And that's, that's flawed. That's ridiculous. We absolutely need the Lord. Every hour we need the Lord. Every day, every month, every year. But when God, man, when God really begins to show up in power, when He's like shake the room power, uh, revival, awakening, bringing dead people to life, salvations are coming to people, that's because the Spirit is moving. And as believers... We even have the ability to quench the Spirit. We can fan it into full flame, right? We can feed it, put some lighter fluid on it, or we can douse it with our fear, our need of control, and our thinking that really, well, at the end of the day, God, we got this. And no, we don't have this, man. We need the Lord. That's right. What else you got? So we also, and we don't just want to not quench the Spirit, we don't want to grieve the Spirit. Mm. In other words, we don't want to be... a trying to walk in the Spirit and walking in our flesh at the same time, living in sin. In fact, David, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, sinned with by committing adultery with Bathsheba and begged God not to remove his Spirit. In Isaiah 63.10, we see that there are people who have rebellion against God, and it grieves the Spirit. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and were put to death. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a witness given to those who obey, is what Acts 5.32 says. Uh, we also see that the Spirit can't just be obtained by greedy means. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. You can't tithe enough that the Holy Spirit will make you stronger or make you a more powerful church member. We see that in Acts chapter 8, verses 18-19. through 19. Ephesians 4.30 says, in a passage talking about all sorts of different ways that we should live in the conduct of our lives, it says... Do not grieve the Spirit. In Hebrews 10.29, it says that when we trample the Son of God underfoot, or basically we make a mockery of the Son of God, that it outrages the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit with our sin. 
But at the same time, I want everyone to understand that just because you have the Spirit doesn't mean that you're immune to failure. Samson had the Holy Spirit working in his life, and we know he was sinful in many different ways. Of course, we just talked about David with Bathsheba, but also uh, in Galatians 5, we see that when we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But I don't know about you, but there are many times when I don't walk in the Spirit like I should, and then I find myself gratifying the desires of the flesh. So hmm. just because you sin, don't just beat yourself up over it. You know, God still has grace. Sin is terrible, and we do want to fight against it every day. But God is gracious. He always draws us back to Himself. And even though the Spirit may be grieved, God will still pour His Spirit out on us and lead us in His Spirit and forgive us over and over again. Absolutely. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he still gets up again. He rises again. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You got to forgive yourself. You got to go forward. You got to, uh, you can't, you can't just say, "Oh, I've disappointed God," because that is a lie. The Holy Spirit used to wear me out, man. When I would uh, mess up and and sin, the devil will always say, "Well, you've blown it now, right? Uh, God's mad at you, and you might as well just keep on going, or you might as well just go off the deep end." And that is just such a lie, because that's not the Lord. The Lord's heart is, "Hey." Come back to me. Stop doing that. I've already told you to stop doing that. That's not going to be good for your life. That's going to harm your life. That's sinful. Come back to me. Right? Get out of this. Let's pull you out of that pit and set your feet on the rock. That's a good word. Absolutely. Good word, so all those ways are ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and times that we're most sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But also, not only does the Holy Spirit speak, but the Holy Spirit works he works in many different ways. I'll just name a few here. First, the Holy Spirit works sometimes in a contagious kind of way. If you look in 1 Samuel, you'll see Saul, when he gets around the prophets, begins to prophesy. He sends messengers later on in 1 Samuel 19, and they also get around prophets and start prophesying. Jesus himself said, where two or more gather in my name, I am there also. So when we get around people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives, it's like it just becomes contagious and it spreads like a wildfire. Uh, an extension of that would be laying on of hands, which is what Moses did to Joshua, who was seen to have a spirit of wisdom. In Acts chapter 8, we see that uh, the Holy Spirit is received via the laying on of hands. We see something similar happens in Acts 19 as the church in Ephesus receives the Spirit through the laying on of hands. In Acts chapter 6, we see the first deacons had hands laid on them. First Timothy received his gift from a council of elders who laid their hands on him. So you see, when we get around other believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they commission us and they send us out, sometimes uh, even symbolically with this laying on of hands, that it is not just symbolic, but it is powerfully symbolic to work in our lives and to have the to be filled up with the Spirit and to be sent out. And sometimes this manifests itself in spiritual gifts like wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, interpretation. All that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Uh, Romans adds to that list in Romans 12, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership. So we have all of these gifts, uh, even mercy, that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is working in us, again, to empower us, but to also give us very specific roles and talents that we should be using in the church. Because 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that all these gifts are given to us for the common good of the church, for building up the church. So 
we should be checking our lives, seeing if we have this wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, distinguishing spirits, interpretation, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy, all these things. I guarantee you out of this long list, you've probably got something that you can use in the church. And so find out what you can do to help the church because the church isn't a place for us to kick back and say, all right, the Holy Spirit's going to do everything and I just don't have to do anything. No, the Holy Spirit wants to use you in the church. And when you find a church and you join a church, you don't just get a, a place to sit on the pew. You get a new job. You get a new responsibility because you're on the front lines every day. And sometimes it takes exploring uh, a lot. I think it was a lot of spiritual gifts that just lie dormant in people's lives because they they never take the time to explore them. They never yeah. ask other people, "Hey, what do you see in me?" That's right. Um, and so, if that's you, just I would challenge you to say, "Hey, Lord, uh, it would be helpful to me if you would let me know <laughs> what my spiritual gift is." Yeah, absolutely. And then when you figure it out. Uh, just like Paul told young Timothy, fan it, man. Fan that flame. That's right. And so some people are fanning the wrong flame. They were, they're spending time and energy and effort and, and getting so obsessed with something that maybe God hasn't called them to do that. Maybe there's something else that they need to contribute to the body of Christ that they hadn't even thought about. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, we could spend all day delving into these gifts and what we think about all these gifts on a more intricate level but I don't think it would be very edifying to our listeners if we did that but know that you could explore those and find many incredible things out about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us but also the Holy Spirit works in our lives to increase our character help us to find what are we what the book of Galatians calls the fruit of the Spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control the Spirit works in believers to mature them and to give them character, like all of these things that we just read, to make them more like Christ. So the Holy Spirit works in our lives in that way, maturing us and growing us. And sometimes I had a couple catch-all categories here of the way this the Spirit works. The Spirit works in our everyday lives as believers, helps us to serve God in spirit and not by the law or not by our flesh, it helps us to put to death the deeds of the body, put to death all of our sinful actions. It intercedes for us. It cries out, Abba, Father, gives us hope, strengthens our inner being, guards the deposit, the deposit entrusted to us. We even talked about a few weeks ago how it seals us for uh, eternity, how it's we're never going to lose our salvation because we have the seal of the Holy Spirit. And then there are some other roles of the Holy Spirit. It circumcises our heart. It gives us life to our mortal body, creates better character within us. The fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit works in all kind of ways that we can't even put them into categories or put them into a box because the Holy Spirit really is working in the life of every believer in an intimate way, in, in ways that sometimes we can't even fathom. But it is valuable. It is a precious gift from God that we should take advantage of in, in every way to just let the Holy Spirit move in our lives, to listen to Him, not to grieve Him, not to quench Him, but to let the Spirit gift us, change our character, and empower us and send us out to do great things in the church for the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we don't get to really experience the power 
and intimacy of the Holy Spirit until we are going through great trials. And I think it's because we're dependent on all this other stuff. Yep. And so I can remember laying in a hospital bed in the Philippines, 120 degrees, sick, amoeba, parasite, every color of the rainbow coming out of my body. Uh, <laughs> there were iguanas on the wall. Uh, it was just a terrible, terrible situation. And it was there in that environment that God has spoke clearer to me during those nine days in the hospital than ever before in my life. And so right where you are today, I just want to say, if, if you're driving down the road, please don't close your eyes. But uh, can we pray right now for you um, that God would show you something new and fresh concerning His Holy Spirit? Father, we pray that you would help us learn how to listen to you. We pray that you would help our listeners today to, if they do not know their spiritual gift, to explore that. And God, that you would reveal it to them. And God, there's some natural gifts that people have that they don't even realize. And, and Lord, would you remind them of those gifts? And Lord, we we want to use our gifts that you've given us uh, for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purposes. That's why we have them. And Lord, we also know you have the ability to take people's gifts away. And and God, we don't want uh, to do anything that threatens your discipline upon our giftings. And so God, if anything, we need you to give us more tools to help us accomplish this great, great task that you've given us to make disciples of all nations. So, Lord, we pray that we would listen, that we would allow your Spirit to restore us, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to lead us, we would allow your Holy Spirit to give us strength when we're exhausted, when we're sick, when we're when we're done, when we're dried up and we're tired. God, you have living water available for us and so God help us to drink from that water and and God we want to learn how to do that we love you Holy Spirit we love you we trust you we hold on to you and we're excited we trust you be with us the rest of this day Lord be with our listeners as they uh, drive home today as they go to work as they try to do what you call them to do pray that you bless them Yes, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, that wraps up our final episode concerning the Holy Spirit. We hope you have a great, great, great day. God bless. This concludes today's episode of Sword and Spirit. If you like this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our future content. And coming up next week, we have a very powerful missionary testimony from James and Christy, who serve in South Asia. Also, be sure to check out our website, fbcbsl.org, for more news and information on everything going on in our church. That's all for today. Until next time, bye.